Well, let me tell you something, brother. It's a special request, dude. This week here on Kick It Out at Two. That's right, special request this week here for Nick Opaluski, longtime follower and listener here of Kicking Out at Two, as we're going to be recapping the Hulk Hogan unreleased matches series on the WWE Network. I'm your host, Dave Rosenbluth, and you're tuning into a Hulkamania themed episode of Kicking Out at Two. Kind of right up my alley, as you all know, because I'm a big Hulkamaniac. Um, yeah, we're doing special requests, like I've said before. Mike Ferrara had a special request a while back for the very first episode of Monday Night Raw to cover and watch along for him. Nick, he reached out. He wants the Hulk Hogan greatest, or the unreleased matches uh, series covered. So, Nick, we're going to do it for you this week here. Uh, just a day removed from Hulk Hogan's 67th birthday. That's right. So, happy belated birthday to the Hulkster. Um, I, I, you know, a while back... When I was coming up with ideas and thinking about what to do for the show, especially during the pandemic, um, it was Nick who actually reached out to us and said, do you take requests? And I said, absolutely. And he wanted me to cover this. And originally, um, he wanted me to cover the entire um, DVD. Now, I don't have DVDs anymore. Once I got the WWE Network, I kind of got rid of all my DVDs. Um, I used to have a ton of old wrestling DVDs, uh, even, you know, as far back as like you know vhs i used to i mean I, I went in phases so i went from you know like everyone um you know vhs to dvd to now the network um I, I know there's still people out there that still collect the dvds and the vhs's um but i got rid of all that stuff and at one point i did have this hulk hogan unreleased dvd series um and i would watched it uh i believe i watched it once um i got it for christmas one year and i believe i watched it once and there were some pretty interesting matches that were on that dvd that uh, you know i'd never seen before never knew existed so it was kind of cool to go back and uh, watch some of those so when, uh, when when nick reached out and he said you know would you be able to do this i looked at the the network to see if they had it and they did have it but it's in a condensed form so it's not the full three disc obviously hulk hogan unreleased matches um this one goes about just roughly under two hours when you watch it. Um, the, the the unreleased DVD is a three disc set with, I think, roughly you know a couple dozen matches on there. So um, you're going to be getting a recap of the condensed WWE Network version. However, I will be discussing some of the matches that didn't make the WWE Network cut. Um, I'm going to go through a listing of the matches that were not on the WWE Network version of this Hulk Hogan unreleased collector series. And just briefly discuss um, some of those matches, my thoughts on those, um, before we get into the actual recap of what I witnessed and watched on the WWE Network. Uh, but before I do all that like usual it's clockwork it's social media plug time that's right facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two as well as our twitter handle at kicking out two k-i-c-k-n-o-u-t and the number two a lot of activity on social media during this pandemic during this lockdown if you will uh that that, that i was under um gained some uh, gained a fair amount of followers on twitter i will say um 
Pretty pleased with that. I even got blocked by um, Fightful's Sean Ross Sapp because I disagreed with his opinion. As usual, when you disagree with someone's opinion on social media, uh, it, it, it turns into a block fest. So I was blocked because I disagreed with his opinion. Um, and so, yeah, that was that. <laughs> um, other than that, I've gained a, a fair number of followers. Vince Russo. Vince Russo, former head WWF writer, former head WCW television writer, and TNA head writer. Vince Russo follows me on uh, on Twitter, which is pretty cool. I mean, he doesn't follow me because of any particular reason why. He just said one day, he goes, if you follow me, I follow you. I support you. So, um, Vinny Rue, I appreciate the follow. Um, so, uh, yeah, a lot of activity been going on on our social media. As always, we got links to archive shows. Um, we got pictures and videos. We're doing some watch parties um, on, on the Facebook page as well, uh, watching some old classic matches. So um, be on the lookout for more of those. And, um, yeah, just all kinds of fun over there on both Facebook and Twitter. Um, and, you know, you can find all the links to our archive shows not only on our social media, but you can also find them on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network on Podbean by searching Retromania with a W. Um, you can find Kicking Out at Two, Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors, Hulkamania is Dead, which is a project I've been a part of with Kobe Nida, where we rebook the World Wrestling Federation from 1983 or 84 to 1993 without Hulk Hogan. It's a concept that Kobe and his buddy Jimmy came up with, and then I've been added to the booking team, so to speak, uh, bring my, my my fantasy booking flair to the to the. Uh, to the table so uh, that's been a lot of fun you can find those shows up there as well as gaijin wrestling radio um origins of attitude marking out the day's weekend warriors um the, the cool truth with ac and white house they cover aew they recap aew dynamite um and as well as the uh the pay-per-views and the special events so uh, you could check that out over on uh the retro mania pro wrestling podcast network search it on Podbean with, with retro find find <laughs> excuse me it's easy for me to say find Retromania by searching it Retromania with a W. You can also find it on Google Play, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the great podcast platforms available by searching Retromania with a W. All right. Um, let's get into this. Before we get into the actual recap, um, there was a fair number of matches that did not make the cut on the Hulk Hogan Unreleased Collector Series on the WWE Network. So, for instance, um, Hulk Hogan versus um, Bob Backlund from the Philadelphia Spectrum, April the 12th, 1980. Um, that did not make the cut. Uh, I remember watching that match on the disc, and, um, you know, it was, it was very eye-opening to see how over Bob Backlund was in the in, in that era of wrestling. Um, I mean, it was, a, it was an era of wrestling where... Um, it wasn't so much cartoonish like Hulk Hogan had kind of ushered in that era. So Hogan was a bad guy here. That was interesting. Um, another match that did not make the cut was Hulk Hogan versus Steve King and Angelo Gomez in a handicap match from All-Star Wrestling. Uh, that was when Hogan was a heel with classy Freddie Blassie. More of a uh, showcase match, if you will. Um, another handicap match he was a part of that didn't make the cut was a match with Nick Bockwinkle and Bobby the Brain Heenan, which I don't remember watching. I'm pretty sure I did because I remember watching this, this whole three-disc series when I had the DVD. Um, but... From what I recall, some of those matches, especially in the AWA, were some were some barn burners. That was when you really got to see the the early birth of Hulkamania. Um, 
We would also see that didn't make the cut was a Hulk Hogan Junkyard Dog tag team match against Big John Studded King Kong Bundy. Um, an episode of The Snake Pit with Hulk Hogan and Jake the Snake. And I believe this was the infamous Snake Pit um, where Jake the Snake had DDT'd Hogan and they chanted DDT. And they were going to go with Hogan and Jake in a feud, but um, for whatever reason... Or for the, the reason that the fans were behind Jake, they decided not to. Um, also not making the cut was Hulk Hogan and Killer Khan from Boston, Massachusetts, September the 12th, 1987. Um, here's a match that I did see once. Actually, I saw it on this collector's uh, set. And um, I was kind of disappointed that it wasn't on the network. But Hulk Hogan versus Ravishing Rick Rude from Boston, Massachusetts on January the 9th, 1988. My birthday, to be exact. Um, I remember watching that match as a youngster. Um, well, not as a youngster, I should say. A number of years ago um, in my young adult wrestling fandom. And uh, I was really, really baffled as to why we didn't get Hulk Hogan and Rick Rude. Now, I've heard stories in years that you know years past that rick rude um his style of work was a little stiff and a little snug and hogan didn't want to um participate in that sort of stuff uh, rick flair quoted hulk hogan as saying rick rude was the tasmanian devil um in the ring and that was one of the reasons why hogan didn't want to work with rick rude in the wwf and i believe um i believe there was an opportunity for Rude to work with Hogan had he not gotten injured in the match with Sting in Japan. But at the same time, I think Rude also wanted to be a babyface, and the company didn't see that, and Hogan was coming in, and just things didn't work out. Um, another match that, um, that, that that didn't make the cut here was uh, Hulk Hogan and uh, King Haku from Los Angeles, California, October the 16th, 1988. Um Another match uh, with the big boss man from Los Angeles in December of that year in 88. Um, a match on June the 3rd, 1989 with Macho Man Randy Savage also did not make the cut. Um, a match with Earthquake at Madison Square Garden April 30th, 1990 did not make the cut. Um... A match with Sergeant Slaughter from London, England, April 24th, 1991, did not make the cut. His very first match with Ric Flair in the WWF in Madison Square Garden on December the 29th, 1991, also did not make the cut. Um, and then we get some WCW matches on the third disc. Um, Hogan and Savage versus Vader and Ric Flair from Slamboree. I wouldn't say that's an unreleased match, but um, it was on pay-per-view um the cage match with vader bash at the beach another match that was on pay-per-view um wasn't unreleased i should say um the very first meeting with sting on the november 20th 1995 edition of monday nitro um that's also part of the uh, the three disc set as well as the match with big show the giant from nwo sold out january 25th 1997 <clears throat> excuse me and a match on Nitro with Bret the Hitman Hart from September the 28th, 1998. It was a big screw job finish. They got Sting involved and Bret went, joined the NWO. That's on this. Um, and then his 2002 uh, run in WWE, uh, a match against Ric Flair, Triple H. Um, his tag match with Edge when they won the titles, defeating Billy and Chuck on the 4th of July. Um, <clears throat> and a match with Kurt Angle all on the three disc set so all of those matches i just listed i will not be recapping those on this recap for you nick because um 
this recap was a condensed version, like I said, of this three-disc set. So um, those are the matches that didn't make the cut. Some of them, unfortunately, I was really looking forward to seeing the match with Rick Rude. Um, I thought that, uh, you know, that would be something cool to recap and discuss with you guys further. Um, but nonetheless, we're getting what we're getting here. Uh, so hopefully, Nick and everyone else, you will enjoy it. Um, so let's get into the recap, if you will. Um, you can find the Hogan, if you want to watch this, um, it's just under two hours. It's the Hulk Hogan Unreleased Matches Collector Series. It's on the WWE Network. If you go to documentaries, if you go, if you... The search bar on the left, you scroll down, you go to uh, Originals, and then when you click on Originals, you click on Documentaries, and then you will scroll down and you'll find it pretty much on the far right in the bottom, close to the bottom, uh, the Hulk Hogan Unreleased Collector Series, and like I said, it runs just about under two hours. Um, so uh, if you guys want to watch this condensed version or if you still have a DVD player and you still have Hulk Hogan unreleased uh, DVD uh, three disc set uh, you can put it in and watch it you can also find it on Amazon too I was searching for the match listing to give you guys this this recap if you will and uh, it's still being sold on Amazon uh, for those DVD uh, fanatics out there so uh, you can find it on Amazon um, as well as other um, uh, movie and DVD retail um, outlets but uh, this year from the WWE Network uh, the un just under two hours Hulk Hogan unreleased matches collector series uh, begins with a, uh, a video montage showing highlights of Hogan's overall career from his years in the red and yellow in the WWF to his WCW run eventually to his you know forming the NWO as well as his return in 2002 to the WWE um, and then we get a narrator um, opening up the uh, the 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 series showing clips of hulk um and discussing what he had meant to the business and to mainstream pop culture um which sets up the first never before seen match from championship wrestling november the 13th 1979 it's hulk hogan going one-on-one -on -one with harry valdez um like i said this was during a period of time when hogan was a heel managed by classy freddie blassie um Vince McMahon Jr., Vincent Kennedy McMahon, and Bruno San Martino are on commentary for this match. Um, first thing I noticed when I watched this was Hulk Hogan's uh, uh, chest hair shaped like an atom bomb cloud. <laughs> um, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, this match here pretty much just shows Hogan's strength and size dominating over Valdez. Um, nothing really too crazy to write home about. You get several powerful body slams and a lot of forearm strikes to the back or the gist of Hulk Hogan's um, offensive arsenal. Um, he would deliver a, a, a very good-looking Harley race knee dropped uh, on Valdez followed by a standing vertical suplex. Um, and then the finish would come when Hogan would finally put him away with a submission backbreaker for the win at 2 minutes and 52 seconds. Um, we get a post-match interview with Blassie and Hogan at ringside. Um, and Freddie Blassie puts over the size and strength of Hulk Hogan, uh, running down the list of capabilities he has to be dominant in the World Wrestling Federation. Um, and then they cut to Hogan on the mic, who... Is not as animated as I once remember. Obviously, this was before the Hulkamania era. Um, very soft-spoken, um, but you know, put puts together a decent promo here. Um, talks about wanting real competitors 
to face um, and threatens to do what he did to others um, or do what he did to Valdez to the rest of the World Wrestling Federation. So I thought this was a nice little, you know, for the time period, um, way to present Hogan um, as, you know, uh, I wouldn't say he was looked at as like a big star, but he was looked at as someone important during that time in the World Wrestling Federation, someone to be on the lookout for. Um, Because that was during an era where, you know, Bob Backlund was the champion and um, they didn't have as many of the animated cartoon characters per se. Um, So, uh, yeah, this was was an interesting, first time I ever saw it. So um, this was an interesting uh, look at Hulk Hogan before he was, you know, the Hulkamaniac, if you will. Um, Then we get the narrator cutting to another video package highlighting Andre the Giant during his run in the 70s and eventually the run that him and Hogan would have early on um, during Hogan's heel run with uh, Blassie as his manager. you would talk it, basically the the video package just kind of highlighted like Hogan's dominance and Andre's popularity, and they're both gonna meet. Um, this video package also includes an altercation in Madison Square Garden with Gorilla Monsoon breaking up breaking up the the, the fight between Hogan and Andre in the ring, which I had never seen before. Um, which then sets us up to our next match. It's Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant from Madison Square Garden, September the 22nd, 1980. Um, This match here has Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler on commentary for the match. Um, It's obviously clear that there's no original commentary. If there is, maybe the audio wasn't the greatest, but um, you don't see any commentators at ringside during this match. So I believe this was like a special added attraction for the DVD to have JR and the King do the commentary. Um, Gorilla Monsoon is the guest referee for this match. Um, And like I said, Ross and Law are doing the commentary. They're speaking more in present tense. So as you're watching this, they kind of call the match, if you will. But they, they more or less present this to us like two guys watching this match just like anyone else would. Um, just like two guys sitting on the couch watching the match. Um, it's, not, uh, it's not these two calling the action as, it, as it's displayed. Although from time to time they will call a few moves. But for the most part you get a lot of Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross talking about... Um, you know their their experiences being around Andre and Hogan and stories they've heard regarding the rivalry. So you don't get too much in depth, you know, play by play. So if you're looking for that, you're not going to get it with this match here. Um, I liked the 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 approach like that because if you get these two guys that are calling a match that took place over 30 years ago um, to, uh, to 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 give you this this play-by-play like it was taking place today it just wouldn't it wouldn't translate well in my opinion um they didn't try to call the match like they were attending it live you know what i mean so i thought that was that was good um you get a lot of andre throwing hogan around in this match um and you know andre's the baby face hogan's the heel hogan playing a good chicken shit heel from time to time trying to get away from andre um you know, for me as a fan, uh, you know, I grew up on, you know, Red and Yellow Hulk Hogan and, you know, I was I was born in 83, do the math, I'm 37, haha, yes, I outed myself, I'm old, um, but uh, Hogan um, being the chicken shit heel was something different to watch 
because I'm especially with Andre because you know I my childhood memories of Hogan and Andre for WrestleMania three and the other showdowns they had um, during the Hulkamania run. So this was interesting to to go back and watch this. It was a, it was a dynamic that was very unique that I wasn't used to. Um, we would see Hogan slap on a bear hug on Andre, um, not the other way around, as most fans will remember with that iconic WrestleMania three shot. Um, Hogan being more the aggressor as the heel, um, which was it was interesting and it was fascinating to, to to see this because, like I said, I'm not, you know, I, I I grew up on red and yellow Hulk Hogan, and this was a different version of him. Um, that I didn't grow up on. And so I thought this was kind of cool to go back and watch this. Um, and then also to the, the dynamic of Hogan and Monsoon kind of jaw jacking with each other, going back and forth with Monsoon as the guest referee. You know, I didn't know Gorilla Monsoon was a wrestler until years later. Um, I always remembered him as the commentator, as the guy who would, you know, call the matches with Jesse the Body or Bobby the Brain Heenan. I never knew Gorilla Monsoon as a wrestler. So this was kind of cool to see Monsoon in this role as well and him and Hogan going back and forth because I grew up on Monsoon defending every single thing Hogan did on TV. So that was pretty cool to me. Um, and this was a pretty fun match to watch itself overall. Um, JR on commentary mentions that during this era, very few people, very few fans witnessed Andre's character in such dire straits, which was an unusual t uh, uh, situation to, 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 to witness. Um, because Andre's character was this larger-than-life dominant figure, um, and to see someone like Hulk Hogan getting the best of him from time to time in the match was something different. Um, eventually, Hogan would go for the slam on Andre, but not for the cover. He would try again, but Andre fell on top of him, and Monsoon would count to three, and the winner at 12 minutes and 25 seconds was Andre the Giant. Um... Like I said, this was fun to watch. This was a fun match. It was different to see that the roles were reversed, uh, but it was still fun to watch. And uh, I would recommend going back and watching this match for those of you that um, were like me, that grew up on Red and Yellow Hulk Hogan, to see a different version of Hulk Hogan before he blew up in this match with Andre, I think would be pretty cool. Um, we would get the narrator uh, transitioning into another video package of the WrestleMania 1 main event and Hulkamania taking off while newcomer Macho Man, oh, oh yeah, um, is gaining some momentum, which leads to our next match from April the 26th, 1986, the Macho Man Randy Savage going one-on-one -on -one with Hulk Hogan in Detroit, Michigan. Um, Jack Reynolds and Ken Resnick are on commentary. Uh, Resnick, a former AWA commentary, commentator, I should say. Um, Jack Reynolds, not really familiar with. Um, Hogan would come out decked in all white, not the standard red and yellow. Um, this was during a time period where he'd change up his ring gear. Sometimes he'd wear some blue um, or all white or red, white, and blue. Maybe some yellow and red, but he didn't really stick to the red and yellow until later years. Um, and I'll say this much. Watching this back, man, that Detroit crowd was white hot for Hogan. Huge huge ovation um it reminded me of the 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 pops that the von erics would get in texas in world class especially with like the the, the girls screaming um that's how over hogan was during this time period um match would begin with macho man uh 
attacking Hogan from behind, um, blinding him with his robe. Um, and then we would get some brawling outside on the floor. Um, Randy Savage would uh, bring like a hit and run kind of offense, chicken shit heel that he was. Um, he would shield Elizabeth to avoid Hogan's assault uh, when Hogan would um, would get on the offense. Um, and then he would spit in Hogan's face and the crowd just were all over Savage after that. Um, Savage would eventually slow down Hogan with some of his aerial arsenal and uh, striking and attacks on the floor. Um, he would then deliver a top rope elbow and Hogan would kick out, leading to Hogan's standard comeback, the shaking of the hands, the ropes, the you, um, the big boot would send Macho Man out to the floor um, and Hogan would try to capitalize by going out on the floor but Elizabeth would get in his way um, which then Hogan would move her out of the way tossing Savage back into the ring Hogan would then send Savage into the ropes for a back body drop but Macho Man would counter with a kick he heads up top and jumps off the top rope but Hogan comes back with a boot to the face and goes for the cover and the win um, Savage attacks post-match and steals the belt and nails Hogan with it coming off the top rope to the outside um, Miss Elizabeth would put the title around Macho Man's waist and then he carries her off with the title but Hogan catches them um, then he carries Savage and the title back to the ring um, Hogan looks to get some revenge and go after Savage but Savage ran for cover and then as usual Hogan must pose brother and Hogan had the title and crowd went crazy another fun match between these two um, I always like the matches between them um, I'm, a, I'm a big mega powers guy as you all know Hogan and Savage my one and one a um, and uh, seeing this match was pretty cool never saw this first time um, or at least I, I don't remember watching this. Like I said earlier, I remember watching the three-disc set. Maybe I skipped over this match. I thought I watched the whole thing, but I feel like I never saw this particular match. So this was pretty cool. Um, and you could tell that there was chemistry between these two very early on before they would eventually team up and be, become the mega powers in, you know, uh, 87, 88. Um, another video package highlights Kamala as the next challenger for Hulk Hogan, leading us to the next match from June the 26th, 1987 in Houston, Texas. Kamala versus Hulk Hogan. Um, Mr. Fuji at one point was the manager of Kamala, which I never knew that. I always thought Kamala was managed by Kim Chi and then eventually Harvey Whippleman, but Mr. Fuji was his manager. Um, or even... Uh, King Curtis Iakea was also his manager for a brief period of time in the WWF, but I never knew Fuji represented him. Um, we get Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross on commentary once again, talking in the present tense as they're watching this match. Um, Lawler points out the referee's cue to ring announcer to begin the ring instructions, which I thought was funny. Um, that you know that, that that Lawler would point something out like that. Um, and then Lawler talks about having Kamala's first match in the United States in the Memphis Territory, which I never knew. Um, and then both Lawler and Ross, they, re they recap the rise of Hogan during this time period. This was following WrestleMania three after the big slam on Andre. Um, and because this match takes place in Houston, Jim Ross talks about his days working in the Houston Territory uh, for Paul Bosch, who was in attendance for this match. I believe this was this might have been one of the last Houston wrestling events before the WWF eventually bought the territory. Um, uh, you would get a, in this match, you would get a fair amount of snarky, smarmy, you know, smart ass kind of calls from Jr. Um, 
calls this the brother era. He's kind of mocking Hogan a little bit. Um, talks about how this is the era of the lighting, referring to the production quality of the show. Um, this here was a standard formula for Hogan matches during this era. Um, Hogan gets the advantage early on, flustering the heel. Monster Heel manages to eventually gain the upper hand thanks to some outside interference. They continue to work on Hogan with his with his unorthodox assault, mainly using his weight as the advantage um, until Hogan makes the comeback, hulking up, setting up a slam, and then the big leg for the win. Um, kimchi, Fuji, and Kamala uh, would jump Hogan from behind uh, following the, the, the win. But Hogan would make his comeback, disposing of the heels, then powdering out. Um, Hogan would then grab Chim Kim Chi's jungle hat wearing and puts it on. Uh, crowd was eating that up. Um, Ross and, uh, Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler talk more about Hogan's connection with the fans and his popularity. Um, and then we get more of JR talking about the production quality and the presentation during this time period with the lights and, um, you know, focusing on the ring and uh, etc. So um, not bad. Um, this is kind of what you would expect from this era of Hulk Hogan, especially when he would face the big monster heels. That was kind of, you know, Hogan's formula. Um so yeah, um, I wouldn't go out of my way to watch this match unless you're a big Hulk Hogan fan like myself. Um, and then we transition to another video package about Hogan's popularity in the mainstream and how that changed wrestling, facing all different challengers in many different shapes and sizes, leading to our next match from the Philadelphia Spectrum, December the 5th, 1987, against the One Man Gang. Um, Dick Graham who I'd never heard of before, is on commentary with Craig DeGeorge, um, who had a cup of coffee in the World Wrestling Federation on commentary. Um, we would see one-man gang uh, take the control early on using his size and his power to his advantage. Um, Slick would eventually get involved from time to time with uh, the referee being distracted to help the gang. Um, we would see the test of the, the test of strength uh, um uh, spot with um, uh, Hogan and uh, and One Man Gang, where Gang would uh, um, you know use his, all his power to overpower Hogan um, with his hands. Um, but then, surprisingly, and I didn't expect this, Hogan would bridge um, out of this test of strength pinning combination, um, which I was shocked because. I didn't expect Hulk Hogan to do something like that. I'd never seen Hulk Hogan do anything like that before. So that was interesting. Um, he would try to make a comeback, but one-man gang size eventually would be too much. Um, the story in this match pretty much saw the one-man gang working on Hogan's back with a lot of double axe handles, knees to the back, some bear hugs. Um, eventually, gang would go for a big splash, but only get a two count. Um, and then Hogan would kick out, and we get our comeback. Um, no selling the strikes from one-man gang while delivering a few of his own. Hogan would send one-man gang into the corner a few times with a, with a few clotheslines, then led to a body slam and a big leg drop for the win. Um, Hogan would nail Slick post-match and send him over the top rope. He would grab Slick's hat um, and pose with it as the crowd would go crazy. And then we would see Andre the Giant show up in the aisle staring down Hogan, but he would leave not too long after that. So um, this was, um, you know, late 87. Um, they had already had their WrestleMania match, and they were well on their way to having the 
the the Saturday night's main event match in February of '88 with the 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 twin referee screw job. So um, another you know another match with the Hogan formula, especially during this era with big men. Um, to be honest with you, it was too slow for my liking, um, but I wasn't expecting a classic from these two either. Um, another video package would highlight the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase and his introduction into the World Wrestling Federation, um, the polar opposite of Hulk Hogan and what he stood for, which leads us to our next match, which is probably one of my favorite matches on this disc or on this series that I got to watch was Hulk Hogan teaming up with Bam Bam Bigelow to take on the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, and Virgil from the Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, March the 12th, 1988. On commentary would be Craig DeGeorge and Nick Bockwinkle, which I never knew Nick Bockwinkle did commentary, so this was a surprise. Um... Hogan and Bigelow uh, would enter the ring together with Sir Oliver Humperdinck. Excuse me, that's easy for me to say. Um, And they would start out hot, clearing the ring of both DiBiase and Virgil. you know they would they would have the advantage early on with a lot of quick tags between the two, working on the heels. and in a lot of those quick tags and the, the 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 quick exchanges, the Toronto crowd was on fire for another crowd that. Um, is a good wrestling crowd that really gets into their wrestling and is invested in their wrestling. They were invested in this match here. Um, this match would see DiBiase taking the majority of the bumps, uh, probably because Virgil wasn't the most experienced wrestler in the world. Um, and from time to time, Andre, who was at ringside, would get involved grabbing Hogan's foot while the referee's distracted, which would eventually turn the tide for the heels. Um, DiBiase would go on the attack, and from time to time, he would tag Virgil in. Clearly, who is not the most polished wrestler. Um, in fact, Virgil looked like he was trying too hard to be good. Um, and it just didn't really uh, work out for him. Um, he looked awkward at times when he was in there, especially working with Hogan, I noticed. Um, thankfully, though, his time in the match would be very limited. Um, and then Bigelow would get the hot tag and make the comeback, delivering a big splash to Virgil for the win as Andre would try to enter the match to break the count. Um, so the win would go to Hogan and, and uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. Um, Andre would attack Hogan post-match, and then he would attack Bigelow as um, DBI and Virgil would uh, help with the assault on the baby faces. Um, but event- but Hogan would eventually grab a chair and make the save with all the heels, you know, getting out of the ring. And we get a standoff between both sides. Um, and Hogan would pose, as usual, Hogan must pose, brother, with Bigelow and Sir Oliver Humperdinck. And the audience was thrilled with it. So... Um, that was a lot of fun. That match was pretty fun. It was short, but it was still fun. Um, and uh, I enjoyed it for the crowd participation and the fact that I'd never seen this match before. And this was obviously after the Saturday night's main event, um, screw job. Um, this was well on their way to WrestleMania and the big tournament, uh, for WrestleMania four. So this was kind of cool to see. Um, we get a video package that, uh, from the narrator that that entails the end of Hulk Hogan's run in the WWF and the beginning of his WCW run, resulting in the Monday Night Wars, um, which would then follow up his heel turn at Bash at the Beach 1996 and forming the NWO. Then we transition to Hogan's return to the WWE in 2002, leading us to this next match, a number one contenders match from June the 6th, 
2002 edition of SmackDown, Hulk Hogan versus Triple H. The winner will face The Undertaker for the undisputed WWE Championship at King of the Ring. This was a rematch from Backlash of 2002 when Hogan would beat Triple H for the undisputed title. Um, and not long after that, he had lost the title to Undertaker at Judgment Day, which was during the peak nostalgia run of Hulk Hogan in 2002. Um, crowd here was slightly split. 60-40 in favor of Hogan. Um, Triple H playing the aggressor in this match. Um, the dynamic of this legend, Hulk Hogan, facing the hungry young lion is very evident in this story. Um, the announcers did a good job of playing that up, that, you know, Hogan being the veteran and Hunter being the, the, the I wouldn't say the new kid on the block, but the, the, the current star, if you will. He tried to really play up that dynamic. Um, it was interesting because Hunter, you know, his work in the match would, wouldn't would totally represent a heel, but slightly, um, which he's naturally better at than being a babyface, in my opinion. Um, and then Hogan was just Hogan, as we all know. He didn't really change much. Um, Hogan would, you know, as, as the match would go on, Hogan would go for a big boot and a leg drop, but he would miss. Um... Then Hunter would try to deliver a pedigree, but Hogan would counter with a backdrop and a big boot and a leg, uh, and a leg drop, but Hunter would kick out of the leg drop at two. Um, Hogan thought he won the match, but the referee informs him that he didn't. And then Triple H would take advantage and nail Hogan with another pedigree for the win. Um, we would see Triple H um, try to console Hogan post-match, but Hogan doesn't really want much of it. Uh, he's kind of upset. Um... Hunter would then try to leave, but Hogan grabs the mic and calls Triple H back to the ring. And then we get a stare down that they're milking for the audience. Everyone thinks that they're going to, you know, go at it once again. And then Hogan would extend his hand out for a handshake and a hug, raising, and raising Triple H's arm. Um, Hogan would try to leave to give Triple H the spotlight, but Triple H stops him and he wants him back in the ring. And he grabs the mic and he says that they've got unfinished business. And then he signals Hogan's ear cup and pose for the crowd. And both guys pose uh, for the audience and do the, the, the Hogan must pose brother segment to uh, to end this. This was a decent little match. It wasn't bad. Um I wouldn't have minded seeing this match go a little bit longer, but at the time, I understand it's a TV match, um, but n not bad nonetheless. And then we get, um, you know, a, a, a video package recapping Hogan's entire career, his impact on the WWE and the industry as a whole, leading to his Hall of Fame induction in 2005. And we get some clips from his speech that highlight his career, capping off this Hulk Hogan unreleased series retrospective. And that about does it uh, here this week on Kicking Out at Two. Nick, I hope I did you justice. Thank you for the request. If you guys have any special requests out there, by all means, hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two or our Twitter handle at kicking out two K I C K N O U T and the number two. Um, I take special requests. So if you want me to recap something on the network, uh, if you want to, to me to participate in a watch along and do the recap and watch along form, I'll do that. If there's a certain subject you want me to cover, um, I will make it happen for you, okay? I, I want that to be known to everyone that I will make that happen for you. So um, 
you know, just give us a special, give us a shout, give us your special request, and we will do our damnedest. No, we won't do our damnedest. We will do, we'll, we'll make it happen for you. All right, we'll definitely make it happen for you. So keep the special request coming. Um, I enjoyed this one, and I hope you guys all enjoyed it too. And with that being said, oh, before I put the show down for the three count next week. We trade places with SummerSlam 1996. Play a little role reversal. What if Vader left the Gund Arena in Cleveland, Ohio with the WWE Championship over Shawn Michaels? What if The Undertaker was the winner of the night of the Boiler Room Brawl against Mankind? Would Paul Bearer have still turned on him? Who knows? You'll have to find out next week on Trading Places, SummerSlam 1996. And with that being said, I think it's officially about that time that we put this show down for the three count, brother. As you hear Real American playing in the background, don't own the rights to that music. But we will see you all next week.